0: All right, we're back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590. The Fan, we got a legend on the line, so let's not have him wait around too long. This Insider is brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. That legend is Mark Messier, six-time Stanley Cup champion and ESPN analyst. Good morning, Mark. Hey, good morning. Great to be on with you, folks. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, let's start Leafs. We've got a couple of things we want to touch uh, with you, but uh, it feels like uh, we should start with the team uh, that uh, just completed a bit of an up and down road trip, but got a big win against the New Jersey Devils last time out. It's all about the playoffs, So with this team, it's all about how they get through or if they get through that first round. And, um, And it's all about whether or not they're different because they continue to run into the wall, the same wall, over and over and over again. So when you look at this Leafs team, and I guess keeping in mind that they're trying to integrate six new bodies potentially, as many as that, for game one of the playoffs, do you see anything different about this year's Toronto Maple Leafs?
1: Well, we're about to find out. Uh, I think every team in the East, uh, or at least the teams in the playoffs right now, and maybe a few on the outside looking in, they have a legitimate chance of winning the Stanley Cup, and I think it's that wide open, and the Leafs are one of those teams. Uh, they have really built a, uh, a, a great nucleus uh, there in the team, and unfortunately, as I said before, you know, building a Stanley Cup champion team is not a science, it's an art, and trying to find the right pieces and getting the right pieces and getting the chemistry and the synergy and all the things that it takes and requires a team to, to win is not easy. Uh, the Leafs have proven over the last few years they're a great team, a team that 's a legitimate Stanley Cup contender, but ultimately, in the end uh, you, know, you have to go out on the ice and do it and uh, there 's always a million excuses of why you don 't do it and there 's only one excuse or not excuse there 's only one way to to uh, quell all those uh, all those uh, naysayers is to go out and actually win the stanley cup so it 's going to be interesting again this year. you know it looks like they 're going to play Tampa again. Um, which is never easy because obviously the experience Tampa has, but, you know, you're going up against Vascovsky, and we say oh, what a, a brick wall. <laughs> you know, that is, that is your brick wall that you're going up against again this year in the playoffs, and it'll be a great uh, victory if they can get by Tampa Bay in that first round.
2: So they did bolster their lineup, uh, which will look differently headed into the playoffs. Once they get Ryan O'Reilly back in the mix after his injury, um, unfortunate timing, but looks like he'll be okay coming into the playoffs. So you're adding Stanley cup winner, a con Smythe winner, a guy from a small hamlet outside the city of Toronto. He's got the passion as we say, Um is that a, how much of a real boost is that? Because you're a guy that has most of those accolades as well, and um, the team obviously can rally around a guy that comes in mid-season that wants to win. Um, does Ryan O'Reilly move the needle so much so that this can really bring the Leafs over the hump?
1: Well, I mean, it could. He can. I mean, he's a, he's a great uh, a player. Obviously, he's a tremendous leader. He's a great. Um, you know, add uh, add on to a team that's already pretty, pretty strong nucleus. Um, you know, he's got all the intangibles. The good news about Ryan is he doesn't have to come in there and, and be, the you know, the guy to go out there and put the team on his back and, and carry into a Stanley cup. He can be a great add on piece. Um, for me, I think that it's much easier to assimilate a guy that can do that into a team than a guy that's going to, you know, come potentially come in there and, and, uh, you know, be the leader, um, change the chemistry of the team, change the makeup of the team in so many different ways. So I think it was a great move by Toronto, to be honest with you. I mean, I love the player. I love him as a person, um, his leadership. Um, so if you're asking, if, are the Toronto Maple Leafs better today because they got Ryan O'Reilly, a thousand percent they are.
0: They'll have to wait a couple weeks to get him back in the lineup, but you can kind of expect him to just plug and play. He can be that third line center. It shouldn't be too much of a ramp up process. Maybe that's wishful thinking a little bit, but this is a pro, this a guy who's done it before he's won a consmythe You can expect him to slide in when healthy and give uh, potentially winning contributions to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, so Nick Kiprios on our station the other day mentioned something I hadn't really thought of, but Maybe kind of concerned with the fact that the the leaders for this team this year, Toronto's most reliable and the strongest leaders on this team, maybe Mitch Marner and William Nylander, just because they've been so reliable all season long, they've been there, they've gone through it, and nothing has really phased them this season. But he was a little worried about the fact that the leadership is at the wings. I thought it was an interesting thing, something I've never really thought of, but you're the expert on leadership. Does it matter where leadership comes from from a positional standpoint? Well, I I don't know if Nick was
1: maybe talking about leadership as a as a position. I think more so I think you might have been talking about normally you know, your you build your team through the goaltend and the backbone of your team is down through the middle through the center ice position. So I I didn't hear the comments, so it's hard to hard to hard to comment on that. But um, you know, I I think for me, leadership has to come from many different sources on the team. I mean, I was so lucky in my career when I took over as captain to have unbelievable leaders surrounding me, uh, both young and uh, veteran guys. Um, There's leadership. Obviously, someone has to be the captain and leader, but there's so many different forms of leadership that go into a team winning a Stanley Cup and. Anybody who's a leader will tell you that they're so grateful for the for the help that and the people around them and the players around them that they're surrounded by. And I was one of those players and know the benefit of that. And so um, I don't think anybody can really take on that position by themselves. And you know, as far as the center ice position, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the center ice position, you know, you're a midfielder in soccer. You're you're playing both ends of the ice. You got to be able to lug the mail. You got to have the stamina and the ability to play, you know, a hard game defensively on a tough side of the puck and then, you know, still have enough energy to get on the offense. So it's it's a it's a big ask for the for the centermen and good centermen to do all that. But the ones that do it well are normally, you know, the guys that really can make a difference in the playoffs. But getting back to O'Reilly, um, you know, one of the things that, to your point, what he does so well is all the lead, little details of the game, face-offs, penalty kill, power play you know the the this hockey IQ um you know the experience he brings so many intangibles to the to the Leafs there that uh, he's uh, he's definitely going to bolster their lineup
0: does salary or how much a certain player earns influence the leadership dynamic at all or is that a sign of a team that maybe doesn't have the leadership qualities that it needs if everyone if when push comes to shove is just looking at the high paid guys to be like okay what's what's the next move here does that Like, I I know that might be natural, but is a sign of a great team when you can be earning less, when you could be the third line left winger. And if that's your role, if that if you can be looked upon for leadership in that moment, that's that's what you want out of a team where it doesn't really matter who's making what what role the leadership is defined and the leadership is something they can rely on.
1: Well, I, I think you just answered your own question. Uh, the, 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 of course, there's there's no price tag on leadership. Uh, salaries uh, don't matter. If it d- doesn't matter, then the culture is wrong to begin with. So you have zero chance. Uh, it depends what kind of uh, you know culture that you're building. I mean, the pyramid the culture, where everything funnels to the top. You know, I mean, it, it, it can bring on that kind of toxic culture. Uh, to me, I prefer the, you know everybody in a circle. Uh, you know, everybody different playing different roles, but still connecting the circle. And, and everybody having a voice, uh, you know, you know it's a veteran or a young guy, everybody's valued, everybody's, uh, you know, that uh, is putting in a uniform on is relied on to do their job, no matter how big or small. And voices can come from anywhere at, at different times. And if you got the right culture, you, you encourage that kind of behavior. And sometimes at the most, you know – times that we'd never think someone was get to say something or do something to show that kind of leadership are the things that galvanize a team and so you're always looking for those kernels of you know information and talking to players and making sure they feel comfortable to have an opinion and say something um, and even in the most critical times and of course you're always looking to the to the veteran leadership but the veteran leadership should also be looking to the young guys because there's probably some things there that uh, they can use or learn or And uh, as a leader, I know for myself, um, you know, I was always looking to improve as a leader. I was always looking for more information, always talking to players in the team, younger, you know, older guys, veteran guys, younger guys. It didn't matter. Trainers, owners, presidents, general managers, fans, it didn't matter. If I could get some more more information that would help us uh, improve or become a better team, I was looking for it
2: a team that certainly looks like they have the right culture going in terms of a championship um, journey ahead is the Boston Bruins. They've been so good this season. They've been setting records. Um, They're getting contributions from guys that are new and old. Um, But I wonder about that. I know we we say it tongue-in-cheek, the president's trophy curse, but it has been shown to be a thing um, in the past where a team is so great in the regular season, but they're unable to replicate that in the postseason when it matters. It kind of feels like this Boston Bruins team might be potentially an outlier down the stretch. What do you need to do to be able to replicate preseason, midseason, and postseason success and be that consistent all year long?
1: Well, I think you have to understand... Sorry, I, I think you have to understand uh, what it takes in order to win in the playoffs and, and the kind of balance that you need on your lineup and, and of course, all the key positions. Uh, you know, And so I think there have been teams that have gone through the regular season that have done very well um, through the regular season, only to find out in the seven-game series there when teams really start to focus in on your strengths and weaknesses and taking away your strengths and exposing your weaknesses is where you become vulnerable. But I think for the teams themselves, they're understanding, you know, the, the game is different in the playoffs, whether we like to say it or not. Uh, it, it is a harder game. And one of the reasons why it is a harder game is because teams have time to focus in on you and your team at a much uh, finer detail. And um, if you don't have the right kind of balance to counteract anything that's thrown at you there, you, you do become vulnerable. So during the regular season, I, you know, I think it's really important to understand why you're winning, how you're winning. Are you winning with just great goaltending? Are you winning with just pure offense? Can you keep the puck out of your own net? You know, we were able to do it in 94, you know, win the President's Trophy and win the Stanley Cup. So it's not so much that it it can't be done. I think it's just more about the makeup of the team and do they have the depth, you know what I mean, Um, to go on and play that kind of hard hockey for two months. Do they have the size, the strength, the leadership? I mean, those are all the things that you ask yourself. I don't think there's any curse to anything. I think... You don't win a Stanley Cup because it's your turn, or you don't win a Stanley Cup because it's an accident. You win it because it's a well-thought-out plan and executed flawlessly.
2: That 94 team was the New York Rangers, and of course, um, you won that Stanley Cup that season, and I think there's a lot of Rangers hype as of late. It looks like an exciting time to be in the city of New York and even New Jersey across the water there, and something that I think... We're excited to watch as the potential matchup between those guys. But the Rangers right now, you're getting that 1994 vibes from that team. They went all in at the at the trade deadline. They got Patrick Kane, Showtime, Tarasenko. They've got an incredible offensive power up front. Um, is there a little bit of excitement and vibes around what that team could bring this season?
1: Well, there sure is, and, and, and there should be. I mean, they got a great young team. They got an unbelievable young nucleus there. They've added two you know, Stanley Cup winners, multiple Stanley Cup winner. Um, you know their top six, you know, was a little bit depleted. There's no question they needed to 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 look and address that. They did. I love their young defense. They got a Norris Trophy. Mm-hmm. So if we look at the Rangers, they got all the and a great goaltender. They got all the ingredients they, that it takes to win a Stanley Cup. Now, can they pull all it together? You know, in the last 20 games, and then you know, find themselves working their way through a. East Conference to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals this year. They they did it last year, um, you know, and I don't think anybody expected it. So that experience will certainly help them. But, you know, it's it's not easy bringing in, you know, players that are going to play in the positions that the Rangers did because it's a lot harder to find that chemistry and synergy um, in the top six, especially on the power play, especially teams. Um as opposed to bringing in somebody in a depth position where, you know, it's more of a, of a, of a simple game that they have to play and, they, and the ask of them is much different. So it's going to be a challenge for the Rangers to, to do all that. And I think my guess is that those players are obviously great character players on and off the ice In in a lot of ways. They've, they've been through the wars and battles before they know how to play hockey. There's no question about that. It's just whether they can find that kind of innate sixth sense that you need playing on the ice with the guy that you haven't played with in a long time to create offense on the power play in 5 on 5 and do the things that are expected from a high-end player like those two guys are.
0: So the Rangers obviously have a great baseline level of support, but they're one of those teams that has its atmosphere and support system sort of transformed when the playoffs do roll around. It gets it gets larger than life it's it's one of the great atmospheres when it comes to the playoffs uh, madison square garden and the support that the new york rangers get so what's it like being a ranger when the entire city is behind you like that
1: well it's you know any original six team i i, I don't think we have to tell anybody in toronto what it what it feels like to to get that when the team is in that position and this whole city rallying around it and the passion behind the team it, it, it for me it was incredible I mean it was one of the reasons why I went to New York is to feel that the original six team and a team that had won the Stanley Cup and you know at the time 51 years um, and to try to be a part of that solution was you know it, it meant everything to me I, you know I, I think as a player it's exactly the kind of arena and environment that you want to be in um, it, it for all the reasons uh, of course there's a tremendous amount of pressure and of course all eyes are on you and and of course you know there's there's a risk of failing and all that but if you're not willing to accept that and you know and stare that straight on and you know be able to take a breath and breathe and you know absorb it all I, you know I mean I think it's going to be difficult but the team seemed to handle it really well last year in New York uh you know they they got up in, in Pittsburgh and were able to get through there and got to the conference finals only to be beaten by a pretty experienced team there so um, but there's nothing like it, uh, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it's something that I still think about this to this day. But that Stanley Cup run in '94, in um, the, the city, the, the building, MSG, uh, just, just, uh, just incredible.
0: Uh, we were trying to contextualize Connor McDavid's season last week on pace for maybe 70 goals, 150 points. I think we both decided Ailish and I that it was you know, the best season that we've consciously viewed in our lifetime. Like it wasn't so long ago where 87 points could win you in art Ross and and 30 goals was a benchmark for one of the high end scorers in the league. And now everyone's flying by 30 goals. So it has changed a little bit. But, you know, when you were playing, you had some unbelievable seasons yourself and you saw some incredible seasons uh, in your time with the Oilers and, of course, at the Rangers What, what's the greatest individual season that you witnessed in your lifetime? Like you saw Gretzky up close, clearly you saw Lemieux in his heyday, like what was the most impressive single season that you can recall?
1: Well, it'd be hard not to start and end with Wayne uh, and, you know, 215 points, uh, you know, just 92 goals. I mean, you know, I mean, how, how would you top that as far as an individual, uh, statistical season? Um. You know it's I, but I don't really look at so much as comparing players from different eras. I think more importantly you know how Bobby Orr dominated his era, you know how Wayne dominated his era, how Mcdavis dominating his era you know to try to compare the players uh, because of, there's so many different factors that we could never calculate to to come up with a with an with a with a with a clear winner um other than statistics so I, I look at more of how they dominated their eras and all the players that you just talked about did that you know Lemieux dominated through the 90s and, you know Wayne dominated Bobby Orr dominated Doug Harvey dominated you know I mean to go back Guy Lafleur you know these guys that were just at the top of the peak of their of their eras um, I think that's more impressive than anything and as we know now that 32 teams in league as opposed to six teams, how many different players are playing, you know what I mean? It's So there's a harder dominating, you know, with seven or 800 hockey players in the National Hockey League now than it was when there were six teams maybe. But I do know that McDavid is just clearly standing out as, a, as, a, as an incredible generational talent that, you know, is going to be remembered for a long time. And all of us getting to watch him play right now on a daily basis are going to, and I uh, really appreciate what he's been able to do for the game.
0: Yeah, clearly no issue with top-end talent in this 32-team league that Connor McDavid is dominating. But there's some in- whispers this week that maybe expansion is on the horizon. I'm a little skeptical that that's needed, of course. I, like, I'm not really – I don't think Seattle and Vegas change the talent pool too much, and it's unsaturated, and there's teams that – there's teams that are clearly don't have much talent, but they're doing that for a reason. They want to get into the Connor Bedard sweepstakes so they can turn their franchises around – but do you worry that the talent will be spread too thin if the NHL decides to go to thirty-four, thirty-six teams? Does that seem like too much of a of an expansion process?
1: Well, it depends how you look at it. I, I think that the one of the, the big initiatives of the NHL is to grow the game in many different markets and many different uh and the diversity in the game. And so I to, to be honest with you. If, if done well, you know, 50, 50 teams. You know what I mean. There's going to be enough hockey players around the world there that, uh, and and we're seeing that with the way these young kids are coming in and and the skill level that they're bringing into the game, um, and the things that they're doing on the ice, which we had never seen before. So when you talk about you know talent and, and a, a lack of talent, I I don't see that happening. I I think if anything, I think it just encourages more young boys and girls to play the game, and I think that is more important than than anything and if, and if and if that's the case, and we can create you know more jobs and we can grow the game and we can you know grow the diversity in the game and all the things that we've we've talked about as, as a league, I think it's only a good thing so um, but I don't see the the talent pool getting watered down at all. I think everybody thought about that was going to be the case when we went from you know twelve teams to sixteen to twenty one um, it didn't. And uh, now we're at 32 teams and there seems to be more young boys and girls playing that are more talented than ever there. So I don't see talent being an issue, to be honest with you. No, seriously, the
2: more the the merrier, especially being up here and and being involved in youth teams. It seems like a lot of kids are dreaming those dreams and it's great to see that being a pathway. Uh, Mark, last one for you here, you know, being able to watch you with ESPN has been a real treat, especially alongside PK Subban, who has made his segue into media quite seamlessly. It's it's a thrill to see the dynamic on the panel. Uh, what's it like working with a guy like that? And in general, just being on that, that desk, um, being able to break it down, seems like the vibes are always pretty high um, and also having fun with it.
1: Yeah, for me, it's been a great experience. I, I wasn't sure what to expect when I got into it, but it it's been a year and a half now and uh, couldn't have not have made a better choice uh, for me personally. I, I just have enjoyed every part of it. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's, it's a real art uh, to do it well. So, you know, we're, you know, I, I think I'm learning a lot, uh, getting coached well um, and, and it seems to be kind of becoming easier, but you know, the, the desk, from what you're talking about is is nothing or is exactly the same as building a team you have to have the right mix you have to have the right chemistry and uh and i think that's what espn is really kind of focusing in on and bringing a guy like pk that you know brings a completely different view than chris and i that uh, has just finished playing um a dynamic personality um i think it just really has been working great and um you know, and getting to know P.K. Um, personally, I, I've never judged anybody until I've gotten to know them myself as, uh, perfect, uh, uh, as a player. And, uh, you know, for me, um, bringing in P.K. and getting to know him has been, has been awesome. And hopefully that's going to resonate in, the, in a really good show.
2: Oh, it certainly does. And uh, it's been a pleasure to chat with you today. Of course, we're excited. You'll have lots to cover down the line here. Hopefully some really good playoff matchups, including the Toronto Maple Leafs make it a little further than the first round, we hope. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for joining us this morning and stay well.
1: Well, great, great to be on with you, folks. Good morning, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll be talking in the, sh- in the future, I'm sure. Perfect.
2: We'd appreciate that. That's Mark Messier, former NHL forward, Hockey Hall of Famer, six-time Stanley Cup champion and, of course, current ESPN analyst and our insider brought to you by Dawn Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit com.
0: I loved his answer about expansion. I I loved
2: it. I really saw a twinkle in your eyes. Like, I've been, I've been a little,
0: perspective. I've been a little down on it and I'm not like quite sure. And I was thinking, like, well, you're definitely going to have a couple teams like Arizona every year. Not that they're looking for new arenas and dealing with, you know, more uh, mortgage payments or lease payments or whatever. Like, that's not going to be the issue. But they're going to be really bad teams every year for sure. Because if you can't compete, you got to put yourself in position to get better. And I think teams will be there'll be a bigger divide between the great and the really bad. I think the haves and have nots will be a pretty wide spectrum there. But if we're talking about Kansas city Orlando, Atlanta, Quebec city, not maybe not the same as like growing the game in Quebec city, but if you're going to go to these different markets, maybe Austin Matthews pop up. They did in Arizona, Matthew Nye's is Arizona born. Like it does have an impact if there's an NHL team there and maybe you don't have to, maybe this is investing in the future, mm-hmm. bringing those franchises there now, 20, 30 years from now, You'll have talent from all corners of North America, and the league will support itself with the talent. I think that was a good perspective because it's too easy to be negative on the NHL, and sometimes you just have to look at it a different way, and maybe it changes the way you the view, you view things. Well, you don't have
2: to sell me on the idea of growing the game. Uh, obviously, women's hockey, that's been a journey for many, many years, so the idea of expanding has always been a goal for women's hockey. Obviously, we don't mm-hmm. have a 32 32- team NHL but at this point like I think I'm always open for an opportunity for more players to play the game to more players to get involved that's basically the whole message of women's hockey right now so to have it replicated in the NHL and for young boys playing hockey I think is just as important so I like that perspective I think obviously he's such a leader he's such a great uh, voice on more than just as he said stats and scoring goals and his resume is incredible of course but he really understands like what it means to have a cohesive, working, functioning team, and I think that was really good perspective for Mark Messi. Of course, glad to have him on the show, and hopefully, we chat with him when the playoffs get cooking here.
0: And that six-time Stanley Cup champion distinction, it's going to be hard for people in a thirty-four, thirty-six team league to win six Stanley Cups. Not that, go. not that he would care about that at <laughs> all, but like he's right. We can't compare eras that much, especially as the game changes. Like mm-hmm. when you talk about Connor McDavid, well, you're not. I mean, he's obviously one of the greats, but how disappointing would it be if Connor McDavid couldn't win Stanley Cups with Edmonton, can't win Stanley Cups in his career, all the greats win Stanley Cups. Well, 32 teams, 34 teams, 36 teams can be real hard for everyone to get their hands on that thing. So I guess it would make that more special too.
2: Be a big lift for uh, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman to not only have to do thirty-two thoughts of podcast, but then have to do thirty-four and then thirty-five and forty thoughts. I don't have forty thoughts a day.
0: No, and the graphics department oh. changing that every year, it's a going lot. from thirty-two to thirty-three to thirty-four <laughs> to thirty-five.
2: Yikes! Um, all right, we got a big special wake rake on the other side of the break. Sam McKee, producer of Real Kipper and Born, and host of the Golf Show, is going to join us. The Players Championship is already teed off. Seeing some birdies, some nice 32 put put foot putts happening. Justin's already taking a look at the standings and tough seeing tough start
0: the, for the Canadians.
2: Yeah, it's tough, but both, you know what? Both
0: Taylor and Connor's struggling early on, but that's, that's all a, right. It's okay.
2: That's why it's uh, more than a one-day tournament. We're gonna get um, some Sam McKee golf picks for us. Um, talk about your anchor picks and put together a parlay as well. All of that on the other side of the break. Send in your picks at five ninety-five nine. You got a couple more minutes. We'll get them in.
0: The best Blue Jay show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You
3: could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy.
0: Show me the money! With Ailish
2: and Justin. Breaking news, Keith Mitchell. <laughs> in the lead. At why, the did, Players Championship. why does that
0: matter? Why does that matter?
2: Because yesterday I picked him as my long shot, 55 to 1 odds. I said, you know what? I'm going with the Internet. The Internet says, Keith Mitchell, share of the lead. It's only 833 <laughs> in the morning, but honestly,
0: first round leader would have been nice. This Keith is Mitchell, huge right about for now. me.
2: In our little five-pack of picks.
0: Okay, I got an idea. It's the FedEx Cup these guys play for the entire year. We're playing for the FanEx Cup. Yes or no? That's really good. Thank you. I thought you were going to say no.
2: That's really good, Justin. That nice. might be the most smart so, thing you've ever said. So
0: you got a little edge right now in the first, it, or the first event at the FanEx Cup. Let's Keith go, Mitchell. buddy
2: Keith Mitchell. Do we have Sam McKee? Sammy, producer of Real what? Kipper and Board. I of to the golf show. How was that? Was it a good
3: Kipper? Yeah, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Sammy. Uh, yeah, not bad. <laughs> not bad. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. uh, Keith Mitchell. Cashmere Keith. You like? Uh, just, yeah, he's been pretty hot recently. I like that pick. That's a real, like, Hell yeah. inside golf pick by you. Buddy. Like the, golf, the golf people would respect that pick. He was in the final group at Riviera for the Genesis. Didn't win, Ron won. Uh, but yeah he's uh, he's been playing really well, so smooth swing, hits bombs, wears great outfits, cashmere Keith because he wears cashmere all the time, so that's his nickname
0: alish <laughs> was doing her research like the internet doesn't lie she was I, she was I, all over the internet, I, the internet I likes a lot Keith of Mitchell Keith Mitchell she's ready for the fanex cup uh who, who is we'll just get this out of the way I guess no yes. spoilers, but who's winning yes. the players' championship this weekend? Keith
3: Mitchell uh I want to say Keith for my girl alish right. but it's like I was talking about this yesterday. It's so hard to pick these elevated events now because like you sure you can say, yeah, maybe Rory will win, although he doubled one uh, in his first round today. So maybe if you want to find some value on Rory, he's dropped down to like, you know, 14 to one, uh, 14 to one. And he was nine to one, like uh, literally 15 minutes ago. So if you want to find some value, you can do that. But I just, it's so hard to handicap because every good player plays. So, you know, the odds of one of the top, you know, 20 guys in the world winning is extremely high now because the Elevated Events has all of them involved. Before, you'd find these, you know, like the when it wasn't the Elevated Events last year, you'd find it where it would be half sort of, not no-namers, but half of the the level below the top guys and half top guys. And you'd be like, I can find some value because maybe it'll be one of the non-top guys that wins. Last week, it was Kitten Yama that won, and I don't even know what he was pre-tourney, but you could have probably, you know, Pay your mortgage with that. uh, With a, if you bet a lot of money on them to to win it, but it's just it's really really hard to handicap coming into these. It's easy to say Rom because he's been so hot, but any of these top guys can win. It's crazy.
0: So tricky for gamblers, but this is this good for golf. Like I, I kind of want to use a UFC analogy a little bit, like they have fights every weekend, right? And it's like mm. rarely do you get really excited about those fights. I guess the pay-per-views, certainly they have some impact because that's when the interesting fighters actually fight. But more or less, you see these cards every Saturday night. It's in like a little arena that they own and there's no fans there and it's kind of a little dull. But when they used to have like an event a month or an event every three weeks, you'd get excited before it because it was more talented, But also uh You know, I guess there was a little bit of, you know, you're longing for it. You're not missing it as much. Are we going to get this with the PGA Tour a little bit where it's like, okay, every two, three weeks, it's going to be major like because they're playing for big purses, but also all the big players are going to be there. But those weekends where they're in, you know, Rocket Mortgage Classic or whatever, like it's going to be pretty dull. Is it going to be kind of have and have nots when it comes to events now on the PGA Tour?
3: Yeah, I it's we're so new in it Justin that I don't know how the fan bases of of the of all these players are going to sort of react to this. It's all new, but I personally am I'm a golf sicko, so I watch most weekends regardless, so I'm not the right, you know, I'm not the target audience for these elevated events and the non-elevated events. I think what it does is maybe it doesn't work out well for your actual viewership on those non-elevated event days. But it keeps the non-top guys sort of interested in fighting, right? Like, if you like you bring up the Rocket Mortgage Classic, which, again, you guys are just golf people big time. Like, that is just such a perfect one to bring up. That's like a nothing tournament. Like, you absolutely nailed that one. I just... <laughs> I, I think if you win that one or whatever, if you're one of these guys that are fighting to keep their tour card or are fighting to get into that sort of top guy conversation, they're huge tournaments for the non-big guys. So... I think maybe for the viewership, it might take a little bit of a hit, but for the actual, you know, guys on tour that are trying to make a name for themselves, these non-elevated events become even bigger than the elevated events. It's just it's huge for the for the guys who are lower down the total pole because it's actually a chance to win. Like last week, I don't know if you guys watched it all, but having Kurt Kittenyama actually end up winning that was such a ridiculous long shot. It was him; he was leading the uh, on Sunday. He triple bogeyed. He went down to, you know, eight under. And then there was all these, every basically best player in the world was chasing him, and he ended up winning. That's not going to happen very often. So these uh so the the lower guys down the totem pole are gonna really have to take advantage of the non-elevated event. So it's gonna be interesting to see how it works out.
0: So Rory continues to be outspoken, right? And I think his like mm-hmm. comments are. Less unanimous when it comes to approval now. Like when he was the guy who was all out, you know, sp- against Liv and, and, you know, he was the guy really leading the charge for the PGA Tour. Everyone was rallying behind him. Now he's kind of saying some more questionable things, maybe doing some more questionable things. But like the latest one from the Kiriyama storyline was, yeah, people don't come out to see bogeys decide tournaments. They come mm-hmm. and see birdies decide tournaments. I- I'm I'm not with him on that. I thought, as you just laid out, like that was a fantastic ending to uh, the Arnie Palmer where Kitty Yama gets himself in trouble, but just has to make par in pretty miraculous fashion to win himself the tournament. Are you with Rory on that? Like should courses be easier? Should we see more birdies or was that kind of the perfect balance that we saw, even though it was one of, it wasn't one of the heavy hitters, which Rory wants to see win all these tournaments actually winning the tournament.
3: Listen, I'm uh, the target audience for Rory hate. Um, I'm not the biggest Rory McIlroy fan. So you kind of hit a nerve with me here. So listen, Rory (laughs) has been incredibly outspoken for the game of golf. And, you know, he's been the number one fighter against the live tour. But these guys, these top guys on tour should be, you know, kissing the live guy, live tour guys toes. They're the richest people in the world because of live tour. The PGA tour was holding out on them for how long? with all this money that has now been put into the game, it's like, yeah, you probably should have, you know, where was this money before all these guys left? So instead of making fun of the live guys, they should probably be thanking them. Secondly, that's just a guy that lost a golf tournament. You know, that's a guy that knows that he should have probably won and he should have probably been in the conversation, Put him maybe have a playoff. He just knows that he didn't win and he was probably pissed off and they caught him in the right moment. And he said something about how, guess what? Golf is hard. And that's a really hard golf course. You want to see these guys struggle, don't you? Like as a mm-hmm. you know amateur golfer, as a guy that goes out there and struggles when I play. Yes, it's like listen. You still shot eight under at one of the hardest courses in the world, and guess what, Rory? You did have a chance to ch- change the the leaderboard with a birdie if you made a ten footer on eighteen that you have seen a thousand times because Tiger Woods putted that. Ex- and guess what? It's going to break left to right like it always does. Like I could make that putt. I know exactly what that putt's been doing for. 25 years. Anyways, it's just I get a little bit frustrated when these guys whine about the course conditions. It's supposed to be hard. It's the PGA Tour.
2: Um, I got Rory in our little uh, five-pack of golfers but that's fine it's, the fan, x cup, it's yeah. the fan x cup and no problem here i'm gonna hope well, that he birdied
3: he... he birdied his second hole today the so well, there you go he's back one, he's so back he's he's I mean, back, keith
2: maybe. mitchell baby it's just that's what we got um can <laughs> we bring you on here for some picks as well sam yep. so um yeah pick either like a current live one a head-to-head a canadian you like whatever where where's your heart go
3: um i'm looking i just find it so hard to like look at the the outrights and be like, I'm going to put 10 to one on a guy to win a golf tournament. It's just, it's so crazy in that range. Like Scheffler, 11 to one, 10 to one, ROM 11 to one, Rory 12 to one. That number for me is just not nearly good enough. Like I know those guys will be in the conversation at the end. So i like to look down the leaderboard a little bit and the guy that's been hot, obviously everybody's been on him, but Max Homa at 20 to one is something to me that's really, really enticing. The guy has had some good moments here. He's been down a little bit. He was in the conversation at the Arnold Palmer. He faded away a little bit on Sunday. To me, this is going to be another one where he's just been hot. And he's going to be in the mix. So I'm not sure he's going to win it, but at 20 to one, you're going to be able to have some fun with that and have a little bit of a sweat and have him be in the, in the conversation. So I like home at 20 to one and just looking a little bit further down. Um, I'm just seeing your boy, Keith Mitchell, still 33 to one, despite leading get the golf it now right get it while well, it's hot. Um, Jordan Spieth, uh, if you hate yourself and you want to have an absolute roller coaster (laughs) of a bet, you could maybe look at him at 33 to 1. He was leading the Arnold Palmer until he made, I think, three or four bogeys and five holes to kind of put it away. But listen, he has the skill to be in that 10 to 1, 11 to 1 range, but everyone just knows what a roller coaster he is. So I think if you want some value looking down the board, Jordan Spieth at 33 to 1 is a really, really enticing pick to me.
2: Well, Justin's got Max Homa in his Fan X cup pick. So he's pumped yes. up at what, 12 uh, something tea time. So he's tuned in. He's no he's, Keith Mitchell yet. No, it's,
3: it's good he, luck. I, Max Homa is just, you know, he's everyone's favorite golfer. He's excellent on Twitter. <laughs> he's, you know, he goes on all these podcasts in the States and he's a super affable guy. He's kind of your everyman golfer who just turned out to be really good. I don't know if you guys watched the uh, the full swing Netflix if you watched that at all
2: we're going through it um weekly with the listeners we got uh, episodes oh. 3 and 4 tomorrow yeah we
3: recap those two okay okay wow so what do you think of the first episode the f- first one oh um with speeth and oh
2: and uh, JT yeah. yeah yeah um i thought it was fine i thought episode okay. 2 was better i thought episode brooks. 2 was
0: awesome with brooks yeah.
2: one eh. okay it was, like, yeah. brotherly, well, like, oh, big brother and little brother. And like, it, it, it was nice, like, to see him win. Like, I thought that was lovely, like, heartwarming, but I didn't get too much from it.
0: It was like selling the dream, right? Like, that's what you think about. Oh, can me and my best friend drive be you know, private planes to play tune-up rounds at major championship courses? Like, yeah, like, that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard not to be, like, a little bit compelled by that, but also a little bit jealous. But I think I actually learned something with the Brooks storyline, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool mm-hmm. and something I didn't really expect.
3: So let me just say, a lot of private jets. Get ready for that, listeners. A lot of private jets nice. on this show. That's in our yeah.
2: future if I hit my uh, Keith Mitchell pick, all right? <laughs> we'll be taking a private jet a from King and Bathurst to Young and Bloor every morning. <laughs> Do we have a helipad at the top? Well, I'll build one. No problem. Um, all right, Sammy, thanks for joining us this morning. No problem. Uh, check out the golf show and, of course, a producer at Real and Bourne, Sammy. Uh, Alish uh, doesn't have the same doesn't have the same gusto. <laughs> All right, thanks, bye buddy. Justin, bye Alish. soon. Uh, that's Sammy. All right, he liked to uh two of our picks, so I'm good with that.
0: Yeah, the Fanex Cup it's underway. Let's let's do it.
2: All right, let's put together our wake and rake parlay as well. Um, I'm just gonna go first. Sure. I like a lot of games tonight in the NHL, but I like my Sabers. I just saw them in action. They're really? goal scoring. Fanatics, but okay. I like the over in that game. Stars, Sabres, both over teams. I think the Sabres have like the most goals scored in the league. Um, it's a, Both teams are playing for something too, so I like it. Um, over six and a half, I'm going to lock that in. I'll uh, give you some secondary picks. I like the Rangers. Sure. In regulation, I also like the – oh, that was it. I changed my mind. One of them is in the wake and reg- – Text line, so I want to give that person okay, credit.
0: Okay, okay, we'll uh, we'll leave it there. But
2: okay. I was gonna go Rangers, but um, I'm, I'm gonna go over in the Sabres and Stars game.
0: So I got a high level narrative pick here. Yikes, we're <laughs> galaxy
2: braiding this after no, you've no, been no, the no, weak no, link six I'm not, times. I'm not, I'm not,
0: I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not galaxy braiding this. I think you'll like this. So we talked about evisceration, right? Fred Van Vleet eviscer- evis- eviscerates, I can't even Tough say word. it, eviscerates an official. If you want to hear an evisceration, Go on Draymond Green's podcast and Mm -hmm. hear him talk about Dylan Brooks. He absolutely crushed the guy, I think it was yesterday, uh, over comments Dylan Brooks made. Draymond Green is fired up. He wants to embarrass this individual, and I'm not really sure how that's going to play out. We could go with the Hall of Fame selection, which is the Dylan Brooks under. We could also go with just the the Warriors to beat the Grizzlies on the road tonight. I think they're short favorites at two. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one is the better play. But I know Draymond Green is going to be ready to go. I know Draymond Green's teammates play for him. And the criticism of Draymond that he directed at Dylan Brooks was that his teammates don't play for him. Grizzlies are struggling right now. They're without Ja Morant, of course. Dylan Brooks is going to have all the spotlight on him tonight. And I think the Golden State Warriors go in there and make a statement. So my pick will be the Warriors. I'm going to play the Dylan Brooks under. My only concern with the Dylan Brooks under is that oh Dylan Brooks is now gets a little selfish, takes more shots because yeah, but he he's trying sucks. to make it a he's trying to make a statement. <laughs> he does he's not that good. So he
2: consistently hits unders and
0: it's up to thirteen and a half tonight. Oh I my saw god! Right. So I think that's good. Okay, I'll do the thirteen and a half Let's under do Dylan it. Brooks.
2: He's a Hall of Fame loser.
0: Hall of Fame loser under Dylan Brooks. Draymond Green locks him up. He might not score points anymore, but I think he Should can... It could be
2: s- Draymond over part nah, Dylan Brooks that, he's under. Not,
0: Draymond's not a scorer. He doesn't care. Like He doesn't have to Steals, embarrass...
2: Steals blocks like something. <laughs> yeah, maybe, punches. Maybe, maybe,
0: maybe that. Maybe punches. Chirps. He, does, he just doesn't have to embarrass him with points. He's got to make sure Dylan Brooks does nothing offensively. I love it. So I'm going to go under Dylan it's Brooks 13 Great pick. Thank um, you. I'm pumped up for this.
2: It. Let's fade Dylan Brooks forever. All right. So over in the Stars, Sabres, under Dylan Brooks points, which is a Hall of Fame pick. Let's get through some picks here. Corey from Port Hope says, to be honest, I've been slumping a little lately, so maybe you should fade my picks until Sames. I get back on the heater. It's okay. However, I like the Hurricanes on the puck line tonight versus the Flyers. That's a oh, pretty legit pick.
0: From the Dictionary of a- Yeah, For exuberation tonight, Woo! Jeff in Barry, Tyrese Halliburton over 36.5 points, rebounds, and assists. He's the best. Blah, 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 blah. Bet it. Jeff from Barry.
2: Exuberation, baby. Um, All right, good morning. Started off Indian Wells with loss, so getting back on track today with Mark Andrea Huesler. Minus three and a half games over Pedro Martinez. Martinez is more of a clay court player, and he's been getting roughed up there lately, so Huesler should take care of this game spread easily. Minus three and a half, that's obviously Neil in Newfoundland.
0: Ian also on Tyrese Halliburton. Over nine and a half assists tonight, minus 175. A little bit uh, short, but he's an assist machine. And he's celebrating Freddie Van Fleet also hitting his assists over yesterday.
2: Um, Eric from Burlington. Good morning. I like the Bruins in regulation tonight. It's almost even money, which is so rare for Boston. And I was leaning towards the over, but when there's no Jack Campbell and Linus Ulmark is expected, I'll stay away from that. Um, also, they're at home. The Bruins never lose at home. So I like that pick too.
0: Uh, I believe this is Ron and Markham. Happy baby Friday. Mikael Bridges entering Hall of Fame territory until he slows down. He's going to keep going to that well. Take him over 25 and a half points. It's a lot of points for Mikhail Bridges. But new reality in Brooklyn over there. Jules loves the Warriors in this spot as they play you the think? jawless Grizzlies. You can take the Warriors two and a half or the Dylan Brooks under.
2: Dylan Brooks under, baby. I love it. Um, okay, here's a controversy. Good morning, gang. Uncle Joel here. I have two picks for you today. One will definitely go against my niece, Juliana. Ooh. I'll take the Grizzlies plus two and a half over her beloved Warriors. Memphis is 26 and five at home. What the? I didn't know that. Golden State is seven and 25 on the road.
0: Which <sighs> one's more shocking there? Probably Memphis.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> I know those numbers. Seven
0: and 25? Th- that's g- true. Defending NBA. I think champions? I just
2: knew that one already. I know those numbers are skewed with no jaw, but I really see a rally with the Grizz and things are not also rosy in Golden State. GM, He's got insight here. GM rumored to be gone at the end of the season. Did you see Draymond giving up on that play last game? I'll happily oh, that's take, not happening
0: this game. There I'll will be no giving up this game. I'll happily take the points
2: and maybe sprinkle a little money line. After watching Full Swing, I'll be putting a dollar on every tournament played by Joel Damon at 200-1. That's his namesake, right? Mm-hmm. And 5 bucks on Tony Finau, 30-1. to Got to cheer on the good guys. Good luck today.
0: Okay, last one. That, that makes me feel better about the Dylan Brooks Under. Yeah, we good. have a little competition in the text line. Uh, final one. Good morning, team. Another easy win for Parlay Poppy. Clippers cleared the spread. Byron also won three bangers in two days. I have another one for everyone. New Jersey Devils, money line <laughs> against the Capitals. Three team steam that will make your clothes clean are the Devils, money line, Rangers, money line, Hurricanes, money line. little Metropolitan Division flair there from Parley Poppy. Four just shy of a triple up. Like Drake's first album, thank me later.
2: Okay, so we know we're doing Dylan Brooks under. We know we're doing the over in Sabres uh, stars.
0: I think we got to go something Halliburton because yeah, of the, everyone's du- obsessed the, with that the double brain Sunday. Eh? Do you want to go assists or do the full well, exuberate. Oh, the exuberation breaks the tie for me.
2: Yeah. if
0: Halliburton points, rebounds, Yeah, You're right.
2: If you put Halliburton and also the word exuberation in your text, you're good. Um, <laughs> let me find this for you one second.
0: Uh, Tyrese they Halliburton playing? and the Indiana, Indiana Pacers are hosting the Houston oh, Rockets, the Rockets tonight. So, so as long as he stays in the game, he should be able to do what he wants to do. I think we go the full slate. Points, okay. rebounds, assists.
2: Points, rebounds, and assists. For, for
0: 36 and a half. Elation and exuberance. The exuberation.
2: Okay. So if we're going to put in Tyrese Halliburton over points, assists, and rebounds at 36 and a half. Over Stars and Sabres at six and a half. And then Dylan Brooks under 13 and a half. Altogether, 550. A nice, clean 550.
0: I have bad news for Toronto Raptors betters, futures betters, season-long betters. What? The Toronto Raptors have 15 games left. How many of those games do they have to win to clear their team total over for the season?
2: 15 games left? Yep. Yeah. Well, I know the answer, so I'll let you do it. I mean,
0: you wanted to be the actor for Schneider's, you got and, you, it. and you can't act in this moment. Well, oh, I
2: didn't want to. Okay, fine. How many, Justin?
0: <laughs> fifteen.
2: Fifteen.
0: <laughs> the Toronto Raptors have to go fifteen and zero to cash. What is one of the most commonly cashed tickets out there? That's if you look crazy. back in the last ten to fifteen years, Toronto Raptors, all they do is clear their team total overs, but it's not happening this year unless they go fifteen and zero down the stretch to finish. With 47 wins. I believe it was 46 and a half. I'm going think that
2: that's not likely.
0: Other people are. I, I think I got it at 47. So I'm already pooched. Uh, it's not the Raptors season that we expected for many reasons. And gamblers feeling the exact same way as fans.
2: If they go 15 and 0, just play in the parade.
0: Okay. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah. We, we might It might change the outlook that a little bit. That would
2: be the crazy. Like if we if we were coming on here every morning. Still not 15 getting through to Milwaukee, 0,
0: I, think, I don't think. No. Didn't, didn't they just rhyme off 16 in a row? Something like that.
2: All right, well, that's your baby Friday. The Blue Jays have a play a pair of split squad games today. You can see Kevin Gosman on the mound against the Braves at one PM Eastern on Sportsnet, streaming on Sportsnet.ca slash five ninety and the Sportsnet app. No other Toronto Sports in Action. A wide open Thursday night, baby Friday, getting after it or what?
0: Well, baby Friday, you're always getting after Thursday's it. Right?
2: Thursday's a new Friday in this city. It really is. I'll be in bed.
0: Yeah, I'll be in bed, too. But no Toronto sports, right? Go
2: get them, everyone. Enjoy yourselves. Catch up. Watch some of my uh, Keith Mitchell dominance. We'll see how I feel tomorrow morning when I come on the show, and he's like five over. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh,
2: happy Baby Friday, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Uh, thanks for listening to the Fan Morning
0: Show. Catch you then. He's 200 already. Yes! 200! No, yes! He's, he's bogey. What? No! <laughs>
2: <laughs> Boilers!